This, this, this is you. K-U-T. K-U-T, Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my Welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, and joined for this episode by a live studio audience as we are taping on the Southwestern University campus. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer, and welcome back to campus. And it's great to have a a beautiful live audience of family members here on Family Day. Yay. (laughs) I have a topic for you. Okay. And I think it's a fun topic to discuss on Family Weekend at Southwestern University, but I think it might be a little controversial, too. Oh. Are you okay with that? No. No. All right. Well, too late because I have the topic. Actually, it... It is not one of the topics I originally envisioned, but I got an email just this week about this topic. Because I work at a newsroom, we get, it's not an exaggeration, hundreds if not thousands of emails every week from public relations firms. And they're always pitching stories and topics, and you should do this interview and you should do that. And 99% of them I delete and I don't open. But this one got my attention because of the subject line. It was offering interviews about the topic of helicopter parenting. Oh, my. Somebody gasped. You pick that in front of an audience of parents. But the reason I picked it is because the gist of the pitch is that that is sort of on the down swing now. That for a while, well, now I'm telling you, this is what the pitch was. I'm not saying that's that a, that's what's happening. but It's a swing and a miss. What, <laughs> I thought, you know, that might be interesting to talk about because... There are degrees of, of gray there, right? It's not, it's not a black and white. And as we often talk about, too, I think technology intersects with this a lot. So I just thought it would be a rich topic to take on and discuss with a room full of family members. Absolutely. You know, I, I, first of all, for, for those who don't know, uh, helicopter parenting, what that means, at least in my eyes, is that uh, a parent is so concerned with uh, the student that they kind of hover over like a helicopter and sometimes getting, you know, way down, almost landing, and, and following that person through their, their formal intellectual journey and, and their formal education. Uh, and, and so that's what it means to me. I think the reality is that we've always had this phenomena, but it's the, it's the technology that has made it, uh, allowed them to land, in some sense, uh, far closer than they ever have. You can now uh, text your student um, you know, every single day, multiple times a day, you can call them on the phone, you can, you can FaceTime with them, and so forth. Uh, and conversely, uh, students can do the same thing with their family members. When you and I went to school, uh, it was a, a long-distance call on a hard-wired right. phone. Maybe once a week, yeah, exactly. Sunday night, Sunday, it was Sunday, call home. I was Sunday uh-huh. afternoon, exactly. And that was the kind of the, the plan. Mm-hmm. And so it was spread out. But I think that, you know, there was still this desire to, to do what's best for, for one's one's child. And I think the question is, what's the definition of what's best? And, and, and if you take away all that independence and agency, are you really helping or in some sense, are you manufacturing a problem 
uh, for the future. So we've already gotten a great question from our live audience. Great. And I want to go ahead and pose that. I think this is a great one. So what would you offer the helicopter parent who is having a difficult time letting go of their student handling important in school business and failing miserably? So the answer to the question is trust. First of all, you must trust your student. You have to be able to trust your student and, and acknowledge. I mean, by the way, here's a fact. I think we've talked about this on a, on a previous episode. That Do you know that the, the human brain is not fully developed until the human being is in their late 20s? Um, and, and so physiologically, we are not ourselves when we're between 18 and 22. And, and the way it works is there's this synaptic tissue that basically kind of uh, links the entire brain together, and it actually starts way at the base on the bottom in the back, and slowly that those connections are made within the brain, and then the last thing to be connected, of course, is here, which is the, the, you know, the, the cortex, which is where our CPU, and that's where we make all these you know, wise decisions. It's kind of wisdom. So if you ever wonder, and this is not a joke, if you ever wonder why young people do really stupid things, it's because their, their brain is not physiologically connected yet. Young people can say, hey, my brain is not connected, so I'm allowed to do dumb things. Once you get to be 40, I don't know why you do dumb things, but uh, so that's the first thing, is to acknowledge that this is a, a work in progress. And you have to trust the student, and you have to trust the, the, where they are. And there are going to be ups and downs, and there are going to be uh, 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 failures. You've got to trust the system and, and then ask your student lots of questions, but, but, uh, but let them be. I think one of the underlying themes of all these discussions is boundaries and when do you step in, when do you not step in, when is it okay for parents to intervene and do something, and when is it not? And I think, you know, what I'm hearing in this question, too, is handling important school business and failing, I know the temptation would be to sort of say, but wait a minute, there could be really dire consequences here. How do you know where the line is? How do you know when, it, when you're on this side of the line of let them fail, fail effectively, learn from it, appropriate, versus this is really an issue and I think, I think we need to step in? Well, so, so two things. First of all, let me just speak to the most important thing, uh, which is not education, but just the safety and well-being. Um, of, of our students. So, you know, by laws, we cannot share with parents un- unless the student has given a release. We can't share anything. We can't even acknowledge that they're showing up for class or what classes they're even taking. Because they're, they're over doing. 18. Correct. And so we're not allowed to do that without a release. Um, however, uh, if there is something genuinely dire, that's a, a life and death or even a near life and death situation, uh, then we disregard that reality um, and engage with family members as appropriate. Um, but beyond that, I mean, so I don't know what kind of school business we're talking about, but if it's like, you know, a, a, a bill comes in or, or they got a, you know, a parking fine and they might not graduate because they haven't paid it. I mean, these are the kind of things that I think make for good conversation, which is like, you know, how are things going? And, and you know, anything I should know or, you know, are you taking care of business? And you can just ask those questions in, in a kind of a, in a general way and say, you know, and, and if you want to talk about something, you can always talk to me. And, and also to, to create environment where, where, they, where the student feels that they can trust, you know, the family member and, and, and know that there's trust there and there's safety there, that I can tell you something if, if, you know, you're a family member of mine and I know you won't kill me when you hear, you know, the dumb thing I did, but know that you'll support me in some way. Well, and we have a comment from Jody in the audience. Jody has a great comment kind of related to that. No child can succeed without positive interactions with adults. Teach them how, don't do it for them. 
Helicopter parenting prevents that. Exactly, exactly. So, so um, I, I was saying to some parents earlier today that, you know, the, our life is really a roller coaster, but certainly one's undergraduate formal career is, is honestly a roller coaster of this sort. And so you get to these peaks, which are really exciting and you're really happy and you want to stay up there forever. You know, that's when you get the A on the paper and, and the professor's really happy or you get a, you know, elected to be president of your favorite student organization. And then all of a sudden you go way down and something awful happens. Uh, you know, someone doesn't ask you out to a, to a party or you fail an exam or a lab didn't go well or you're, you wonder, you're doubting your own major. Instead of thinking about that as a, as a down moment, I, I think we need to realize that life, and especially formal education, especially undergraduate education, is a roller coaster. So, so those peaks and valleys are going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And to realize that that's part of it. And so this comment is, is, is really salient in that um, the, it's the downturns where the real learning can happen, right? I've learned far more from things that did not go right because I had to figure out what to do next. And the more resource that you have and the more people will take care of it for you, the less you get to learn how to do that. How do you start sort of pulling back? So once that horse is out of the barn, if you will, or once the helicopter is taken off, whatever analogy you want to use, how how do you then sort of help people, parents and students, ease into maybe a different way of thinking about all of this. Well, it's building a different relationship, I think. So I think it's all about relationship building. I would argue, as I do in my classroom when I'm teaching things, just to acknowledge that reality and say, you know what, you know, so, so now um, uh, you know, a student's about to go off to college and, and live away from home for the first time and just have that conversation. I, I think that's great and say, look, um, as your parent, uh, I am really um, scared to let you go because, you know, you've been under this roof for 18 years now, and, and now you're, you're going to be leaving me, and, and that's scary. Um, and maybe it's scary for you. I hope it's a little scary for you. Let's talk about that. Let's just talk about that emotional state that we're both in and not try to pretend it's not happening. And, and, then, and then even, you know, articulate that in, when you reach out. Like, so when, when someone sends a text saying, I wanted to text you five times, and I didn't, and I just wanted you to know that, you know, and that's a text, and send that out. Because yeah. at least then the other person, whether that's the student or the family member, they're like, okay, there's stuff going on here. And to be open to that reality, and then just to share that in, in a very, very honest, candid way, I think is, is very helpful and healthy. You- and that made me think of another point about, I'm using quotes, helicopter parenting is you never know the situation of the family involved, right? So you don't know the motivation for maybe there was a loss in the family. Maybe um, the child had a, had a very rough high school time. I mean, sometimes I think there may be reasons that aren't apparent to the outside world, but that means some of that beha- behavior has a foundation to it that for that family unit is logical and does make sense because of circumstances that, that we just can't know from being outside observers. We're all individuals and we all have special needs and some of those special needs manifest themselves in different ways and, and we have to be open to that. So uh, nothing that we're discussing here is a hard and fast rule, obviously. Also, I'm kind of just one's own background, right? I mean, if you're a first generation, let's say, to, to college, um, then uh, it's complicated for, for both the student and for the family. And, and, and if you're coming from an environment where the, the family situation is very, very tight, where everyone's living either in the same house or within blocks of each other, and then all of a sudden you go three hours away, 
that's a, a cultural familiar shift to the dynamic of that family. And so, again, being candid and talking about it, thinking through that, and acknowledging, look, you know, you, you picked this institution, it's far away, it's in another state. Um, let's process that together and let's find ways that make sense that support all of us uh, in how we're going to communicate. So I'm curious, just as we wrap up here, Ed, you are seeing um, young people on your campus who are kind of coming out of a time when, again, I'm using quotes, when helicopter parenting may have been at its height. What do you think it will mean for, like, the families of those kids who grew up in an environment where that was kind of more the, what the cultural norm was and then fueled by the availability of technology and all that. What do you think that means going down the road? I, I think you're going to see it cut both ways. I'm going to, I think that there will be uh, young people today who will be parents uh, you know, in, in some number of years who um, will say that's the way it's supposed to be. And so I am going to be texting my student every five minutes to make sure they're showing up for class and and did well on the exam and so forth. And then I think other ones are going to react the other way, saying, well, this is what happened to me when I was a student, and I'm not going to let that happen to my kid. Um, The the only thing I I want to inject here, which I think is the real dose of reality, you and I would have never predicted these um, smart devices in our pockets when we were kids. And, and so what the world will look like when the, current, when the students of today will have their own college-bound students in the future, um, I think that what we, that world will be so different that we can't even try to extrapolate. It's not going to be this device. No, they're going to be taking jetpacks around campus. Yeah, exactly. Something like that uh-huh. is real. Or there's a chip that's implanted in your brain <laughs> at a very early age, and you can just kind of scroll through your emails, like literally, you know, in, in your eye. And so it'll be a totally different dynamic. And so that will also then change uh, how that interaction will happen. So a great question from Laura about all of this also. Do you think public schools encourage helicopter parenting by allowing access to daily grades and attendance? This is for high school and younger students. I can see some parents having difficulty not having this access once their child enters college. As you were saying, once you hit 18, that access is not the same. And she agrees it's a matter of trust also past experience. But what do you think about the fact that up until, you know, age 18 and usually senior year in high school, parents do have, you know, they can access grades, they can access attendance, they can get notified if something is off track. And that, that really informs a lot of their, their child's younger school time. Look, we are developing as human beings and, and we are growing. And the goal of formal education, and I would argue the, the goal of life, is to constantly strive to be a better version of you, whatever that means. And part of that journey is to actually figure that out, what that better version looks like for you. Um, And so it's an ongoing process that evolves. And I believe as an educator that that accessing that type of information when, when when a person is very, very young and small and still developing and developing habits and, and you're trying to instill good habits of living and learning and so forth. But again, Open communication, getting back to, to Emily's point. Make it very, I'd make it very clear to, to a very, very young person, I will be checking your grades or I will be monitoring your attendance through these online things that, that, that I can't have access to. I want you to know that going in. You do whatever you want. But there are consequences to the decisions we make. And to, to teach people that as early as possible, I think, is a powerful lesson. And then at some point, I think in that same open air of, of communication, saying, I think it's time... You're 17 years old. You're almost 18. Um, I think it's time that I stop doing that. 
And, and so not even to pretend and say, I'm not going to be doing, I'm not going to be checking your attendance. It's up to you to go to your math class in high school and, and, and what have you. And, and I'm hoping that I can trust you and that, that you will you'll be able to trust me. And I think that open communication allows for a, a really deep relationship so that when that person actually, if that person leaves home to go and continue their studies, that in fact they will have that, that, that trust in their family to be able to share even you know, like when they fail the exam. And I think that then the parent could come in as a powerful, a positive resource. Thanks, Ed, for helping us keep our brains sharp. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. And thanks to our live audience of Southwestern University parents and students as we tape this episode on the Southwestern campus. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.